0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of Life's Tough, You Can Be Tougher. Our first podcast was nearly two months ago, and since we started, we've had an impressive selection of intriguing guests and plenty of free-flowing conversations. I'm Dustin Plantle, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has a story. Some stories may sound more riveting than others. That's to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a blockbuster movie or a Showtime series. Yet when you think about your own story, the most important thing to consider is what you will do with it. Or, to put it another way, what will your legacy be? We're looking forward to another terrific show today with this week's featured guest, Michael Loeb, New York-based entrepreneur extraordinaire. Michael leads Loeb Enterprises, a private venture investor. He's in the studio with us now. And in the studio with us are our two special co-hosts who are making their first appearance on Life's Tough, Dr. Robin Tom and Brian Mark Weber. Both of our co-hosts have ties to the U.S. Naval Academy located in Annapolis, Maryland along the Severn River. Robin is a writing consultant and speech coach at the Naval Academy Center for Academic Excellence. She helps people of all ages and levels to harness and uncover their inner voices through presentation skills, guidance. Her zest for public speaking, whether in teaching, coaching, advocacy, or volunteering, is evident in everything she undertakes. She holds a PhD from Howard University in human communication and culture, and a master's degree in mass communications from Towson University. And for the past 15 years, Robin has been an active member and volunteer for Best Buddies, a sister company to the Special Olympics she's also the godmother to my kids. Our other co-host, Brian, is a literature and composition professor at the Naval Academy. He holds a master's degree in military history from Norwich University, a master's degree in English from Washington College, a bachelor's degree in American history, and English from Vermont College of Norwich University, and a graduate certificate in teaching and learning from Norwich University. In addition to working in education, he is a radio meteorologist, voiceover artist and writer and editor. And just to spice it up another notch, Brian is a certified archery instructor. Both Robin and Brian are also faculty members at Anorondo Community College, which is not not too far from Annapolis. We're broadcasting, of course, from the Alston Carlisle studio in Baltimore, Maryland. Now introducing Michael Loeb. But before we begin, I wanna welcome a returning sponsor, the POI Institute. POI is a private holistic detox center located in gorgeous Cabo, San Lucas, on the Baja California Peninsula. Get a safe, effective start on reclaiming your life at POI. Call the POI Institute at 833-POI-CABO, that's 833-POI-CABO, and tell them Life's Tough Sent You. Michael Loeb, a serial entrepreneur, is president and CEO of Loeb Enterprises, a private venture collective, an operator of consumer marketing businesses. Prior to the establishment of Loeb Enterprises in 2006, Michael was president of Synapse Group, now a wholly owned subsidiary of Time Warner. Michael co-founded Synapse in 1992 with Priceline founder Jay Walker. Synapse became the largest seller of consumer magazine subscriptions worldwide, leveraging a revolutionary and patented continuous service model to remake the industry. Michael also assisted in the creation and early funding of Priceline. In 2019, Loeb Enterprises rebranded to Loeb.nyc and boasts a portfolio of over 18 direct investments, most of which execute from Loeb.nyc headquarters in Manhattan. Under Michael's visionary leadership, Loeb.nyc has established a new model for startup investments by pairing exceptional strategic, and executional talent with passionate founders. Michael currently resides in New York City with his wife and children, and he's also here in studio with us today. Let's bring him on now, Michael Loeb. Hey, Michael, how are you doing today?
1: um john can you cue the applause please i mean yeah that's prepared. our producer so we're gonna <laughs> throw in there hey. something
0: are you that big of a deal you have to have that kind of entrance you
1: know what i i i'm not but i have um a, a very large and hungry ego so you know i need <laughs> some approbation t- here oh, good man. all right i'm gonna throw it at but you but you did say look i mean i'm just feeding it back to you but i'm hearing about this um impressive collection of guests right so I'm kind of like joining that pantheon of the impressive collection. So
0: you are one of the most inspiring people that we've brought onto the show. Well,
1: thank you very much. You also, are, most dynamic, are, I are must say. Seamless little shit, but anyway. But well, <laughs> well we're looking for forward that. to By the way, conversation um, with you. You know, uh, you only had a few malaprops in your introduction, and one is it, it, you made New York sound like Newark. Newark? Uh, Newark, well, yes. That's, I'm from, I live we in We are not Newark, dude. Newark, all right. So tell New, me what is, New, is the correct way. New York. New York. Okay. New did York.
0: Did kind of is that? it like the Doesn't song, sound like New it. York? It's a, it's Isn't sound there a song Newark, behind it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you like know. when
2: I
3: lived in New Orleans, it's really Nolens. Nolens.
1: So, okay, so okay. how do you
0: say Baltimore? Do you say a balmer?
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what I say. That's what you do. That's how Michael Lowe, by the way, pronounces Baltimore. You're a baller, for sure. All right, so
0: Michael, first question for you. We're going to start this up, a really hard one. So did you get fired from Time Warner when you were what, 36 or 37? And then also when you got fired, it didn't sound like you, you didn't land too hard. The the company that you ended up starting did well. You sold it for I think 800 million. Talk about karma. Fill us in about that time in your life.
1: Yeah. So um, I joined Time Inc. um, pretty much right out of school which was uh, about the only company that I wanted to work for and that is because my dad worked there for almost 40 years and Hmm. my dad was a journalist of I was going to say some renown but you know bona fide renown uh was the managing editor of fortune magazine before that the managing editor of money magazine and before that an editor of time magazine and really presided over some extraordinary episodes in history which, um, if you want me to share, I will. I do. You do? I, I want right like to yeah. Yeah. You wanna hear one right now? Yeah. You want to hear one right now? I, I want you okay. to take it out of your head. So I, I will. I'll take you, I'll give you one, which is, um, and there's more than one, but I'll give you one that I think is, you know, in the, in the pinnacle of cool. So my dad was known as the subject-friendly Journalist.
0: By the way, people hear the the buzzing. He's got what nine, ten cell phones here on the table, something
1: like that. Well, you know, when when I talk to you, Dustin, I need a distraction. I know you it. do. Yeah. Well, well, that's I appreciate it. So yeah. everybody out there, Michael Loeb has all these cell phones. Yes, including by the way, a
0: BlackBerry,
1: right? Blackberry. Which people everybody, uh, well, not people, but me. You. Okay. Right. And everybody makes fun of me. And I said, you know, um, me and Obama, right? We're kind you of guys, last yeah, called so How it well do you know him, by
0: the way? Did you, uh, help, you no. help put him in
1: power? Very well, I mean, yes, it was my fault. I'm okay. sorry, I apologize, America. <laughs> anyway, so, um, uh, but my dad, a subject-friendly journalist, and it wasn't that he would pander to his subjects, it was simply that he would get the story right. And unlike, by the way, uh, the shrill, you know, um, a discourse that passes for journalism right now, which is just unbelievably one-sided and not very subject friendly. Now, do you like the term
0: fake news? Do you believe there is such thing oh, yeah, as fake news? It's,
1: there's definitely fake news, but it's, it's. what's worse is that the stuff, the padlum that uh, passes for news is just shrill opinion. And we've got so much out there. And I think as a country, uh, we got to really think to ourselves, how can a 29-year-old ex-waitress who knows about nothing get such you know, press and gravitas that all of a sudden is forming all this policy, or at least influencing policy, which I just think is crazy. And it's not backed up by anything more than a desire to get headlines. And it's, there's no science, there's no thought, there's no research. And yet, and by the way, they will also
0: destroy reputations in the process without thinking twice.
1: Yeah, and um, as in all the time. So, uh, anyway, back to my dad, which was a different journalism, a different day. Um, He, uh, in his, you know, uh, in his, in his, uh, from his platform, got to know um, many, many uh, people, and when he worked for Time Magazine, got to know uh, all the presidents. And uh, one of them, um, that he has special relationship, was Ronald Reagan. And um, he had interviewed with Reagan uh, multiple times, and Reagan, as a courtesy only for the people he really liked, would dismiss everybody from the Oval Office, and it was just you and Reagan. Reagan, no uh, security detail, nothing. And uh, this was late in his second term, and my dad's interviewing him, and very quickly claim, came to the conclusion that um, dementia had gotten the better of him. Wow. And um, he had uh, a stark and scary choice, which is, does he break this story and be true to his craft, right? Something that he was a practitioner of his entire life, or does he become a patriot and a friend? Because at the time, uh, the world was, as it always is, but then especially a very volatile place, And as you might recall, it was, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And does he become a patriot? Because to say that the most important man, arguably, but I think we can agree in the entire world, had been claimed by dementia, Mm -hmm. right? And to break that story would have been, I think we can all agree, a very destabilizing thing.
0: Catastrophic.
1: And he didn't have a lot of time to think about it because this is Time magazine and he had to get that story and he wrote a very different story, which was my day with Reagan. And um, so he had to, you know, he had to yield uh, to, um, you know, friendship, but most importantly, patriotism. Uh, and um, it was something that for his entire life, I wouldn't say plagued him, but, you know, he had, he had revisited often about did he do, you know, what's this the right thing?
0: Yeah. And, and so yeah. that doing the right thing yeah. at the time, he did what he believed was the right thing. That is thing. correct. Yeah, I think that that's the correct. challenge all of us faces how mm-hmm. do you know you've never been in that moment before, yeah have and you, you ever can't at peace with that
1: and I think by the way, well one way to be at peace with it is uh, you know look forward and not back. I mean, I think you can kill yourself um revisiting all your decisions in your life, and I think you um you try to avoid those things
3: Tell me so. you have a collection of everything he's written
1: um we do have um something of a collection, but um we donated a lot of stuff. Uh, we donated a lot of stuff to the um, uh, SUNY uh, Stony Brook, and they were um, they were on it. And when my father passed away about a year and a half ago, they did get in touch with me. And my dad didn't go to Stony Brook. He went to the University of Missouri. Um, he was one year behind Sam Walton, by the way, really? which is yeah, yeah. and. Sam Walton, this is another story. There's many Marshall stories, but Sam Walton would never talk to the press. And it became known that he was going to die because he had bone cancer and he was on the clock. And what he wanted to do, Sam Walton, in the last year of his life, is visit as many stores as he can. He had a little Cessna and we'd go puddle puddle jumping. And my dad called Sam and said, Sam, you know, um, we're both, you know, Missouri grads. You were one year ahead of me and um chatted him up a little bit he said look now is the time for you to get a book out right you need to get a book out because you know the fact of the matter is you are one of the most important uh commercial figures you know in the planet you know in the 20th century and people want to hear that story and um Uh, after uh, several conversations he reluctantly agreed and the only way he would agree to do that is to allow a reporter to be his co-pilot, you know, going up and down, flight after flight, and while he was flying, he was also talking, um, much to the horror of the reporter, and um, the Sam Walton, well, first an article came out in Fortune, but then it was followed up with the famous Sam Walton book, but in any event, um, yeah, so I, uh, followed my dad at, uh, into time Inc. Uh, I didn't have the talent to be a journalist, so I became a business guy. How'd that uh, work out for you? Uh, that, well, actually in the beginning quite well, um, I was, <laughs> um, I had the good fortune, of working at Sports Illustrated and a swimsuit edition, or uh, I knew actually had say that. something. I had to dig in. And by the way, uh, you know they've advanced um, exactly their thinking, and they want you. <laughs> well, remember, post, uh, you, uh, I'd yeah. be
0: the next. I mean, right. th- but remember, there was a time. You can time go topless, your, by the way. Will they do want, that now for men? Will they allow uh, with, uh, us? Uh, is that know, two PC? They're or? going to
1: insist on you, by the way. Is what? Oh uh, well, uh, look. So. Um, Anyway, I had something to do with the expansion of the swimsuit issue because at the time, it was it. just eight pages inside a regular issue. And I was the guy who you know, would look at all the sales of everything and I would yeah. see newsstand sales, newsstand sales, and then this in giant, you know, giant spike yeah. it all for went that out. issue. Yeah, you're, you're the game changer. Well, but you, did know, you, you also much to did, did you pick the talent I, too? I, I actually did some other things with some of the models. <laughs> we created... Um, Super Shape Up, and which was really cool product, but it was a video super product. Shape super Shape Up, and it was Sports Illustrated Super I Shape Up,
0: like a Jane Fonda kind. Of, type well,
1: you know, it's interesting that you say that because, in the day, the only thing that was out there was Jane Fonda, which was no pain, no gain. I mean, it was mm-hmm. horrible, right? Yeah. But instead or Richard of Simmons, Richard I, Simmons, are you a fan? I'm a big fan of Richard I Simmons. It. I, I he, knew you were too. I can I tell have been for many that. years, but um, but there really wasn't any product out there. That embodied, you know, what the outcome should look like, and f- forget about the process. Nobody wants to see the sausage being made. I mean, you know, we just want to have the sausage. And um, but Super Shape Up was each model had their own video.
0: So how so, do you do something that's never been done before? Oh, like, how well, do you even decide easy. how to do it?
1: But uh, that's that's easy. But I, I what I was, I you know what you keep interrupting me, man. I anyway, know, it's fine. But um, I did. Um, I am the inventor of the. Um, I am the inventor of the sneaker phone and the, the football phone, phone. Yeah, football. which were both premiums <laughs> for Sports yeah. Illustrated. How and, about Jawbone? Um, isn't that also a cool <laughs> company? <laughs> did, you, did you make that no, one? Up I to, didn't well, make that one. There's an earlobe, and there there's isn't. some other things in your office. That's that, true. That we got a lot. We got a lot of that in my office. But um, anyway, I was um, tapped to because I launched uh, SI for Kids. I was tapped to uh, uh, take a look at a, a project. Uh, without a home, and that was entertainment weekly, And um, I happened to like it as a concept. To me, it was take the three big sports and swap out the three big forms of entertainment. Yep. Uh, and um, I had to write the business plan, had to sell it before the board, told the board it could be launched for $100 million bucks, and they came back with good news, bad news, which is uh, we did agree um, to allocate the money, um, but the bad news is you got to run the project, and they paired me up with an editor, who had a very different vision. Which is at Time, Inc. they had something called Church and State, and that I was did? yep very really? deliberate, very deliberate. And Church was editorial, and State was business. And the reason why they kept that very discreet is you know if in 1970 Time Magazine wanted to write a cover story that maybe the smoking thing is not so good for you after all. (laughs) Uh, They wouldn't want to get the editor of Time magazine to get a three, three in the morning phone call from Philip Morris saying, print that story and you will never, ever your advertising goes up in smoke. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, anyway, um, the editor had a very different vision and it was going to be about books and poetry, which is very noble and fine, except that the last name was weekly entertainment, weekly, (laughs) And if you wanted to get above the fixed variable divide, uh, you needed to have at least a million in circulation. You're not going to do that um, with uh, you know a magazine about books and poetry. Right. So that was the formula for a non-success um, in Fortune 500 companies. They they need um, they need they need to throw bodies at it. Right. They need to say um, to the investors and advertisers and everybody else. Um, You know, we've been telling you for a long time, you know, all quiet on the western front, but guess what? We did indeed have a problem, uh, but we exercised the tumors from the body. They've been cast out. Everything is going to be okay. And it's these two guys, right? So I got a lot of ink. And um, knew that I was not going to be working in media again anytime soon. I was irradiated. I had to wait for the half life, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, decided to start the business outside of Time Inc. That I was really starting, try to start inside of Time Inc. And the thesis was very simple. And you got to turn back the clock to, you know, when we started the company in the early 90s, which was um, magazines and newspapers. Um, you would subscribe for a year and it, run out and you'd get a series of renewal notices and they would hope that you would renew and then you check the box saying bill me later and they would hope you would pay and that is a model in which um, inertia is your mortal enemy right? but we, we transformed that to make inertia your friend which was put the magazine subscription on a credit card and unless you cancel it kept on going so um, we did call it continuous service which sounds a lot better than automatic renewal yeah sure. so continuous service but the fact of the matter is you know if you're a sports illustrated reader a wall street journal reader you don't want an interruption in service you like it to keep going and we did not make it hard in fact we made it really really easy if you wanted to cancel and a lot of forgiveness if you forgot and the subscription would go on for months we would still give you all your money back and the thesis behind that was we want it to be the place that you buy all your magazines, not just Wall Street Journal or Sports Illustrated or, uh, you know, National Geographic, but everything, because the thinking was you're going to start reading when you're eight and you're going to give it up when you're 88. And in those yeah. 80 years, if you're a reader... And again, we got to talk about when there was a magazine.
0: Are you looking at me and saying, I can't read, Michael? Because no, I'm, I'm not, telling
1: you, I know how to read. I know you know how to read. I know you know how And he's how just to saying read. this
3: generation. I, mean, yes. I teach a mass media class, and yeah. the very first part of the semester is me teaching the history of just the basics, radio, newspapers, magazines, and people, their comment is, who reads those? Yeah. And I say, here's the difference. I like go, my generation was brought up on these mediums. You guys are all about the apps, I guess okay. so it's a very different world, but to really appreciate where we've come, you have to know the history of this stuff. Yeah. So I have a great appreciation of what your father well, did.
1: Well, you know, the other thing to think about, Robin, is I think about, uh, frankly, I think about media like the military thinks about prosecuting a war. And let me tell you why. Because uh, if we went, you know, 2,000 years ago and the Martians came down and said, bring me to your leader, Right. And they brought him to the leader, and the leader would say, what's the state of play of warfare? And they go, oh, man, the Romans, right? I mean, those are crazy. You know, 10 by 10, lots of spears. Nothing could beat those Romans. A bunch of foot, so- foot soldiers with, you know, uh, body armor. Yeah. And then they came back today, right? And they did the same thing. I guess that would be Donald Trump. We'll pick your somebody <laughs> We're else. We're going to choose do the but, um, You know, Petraeus. You also put him in power, uh, by Petraeus, the way. Petraeus, right. A, yeah. um, But we, uh, you know, and they said, you know, what's the state of warfare? And they go, oh, man, well, we got, you know, these things in the sky, and they go 1,500 miles an hour, and they can drop a bomb, and they can hit somebody square in the nose. And then we got these things called submarines, and they are, you know, 1,500 feet uh, under the water, and they can shoot a missile anywhere, and they, you know, one missile can explode an entire city. And then, uh, you know, we have these things called tanks, you know, (laughs) uh these, it's like an armadillo but right like a exactly little bit bigger. right uh, um, right a non-organic armadillo and uh you know then finally after about 15 minutes of this the martian says well i guess the foot soldier—that's that's that's gone right and they go no no never been more important right and media is like that so think about this right i mean mm-hmm. the irony of amazon right one of the great 21st century companies what did they sell first books right mm-hmm. books and think of this medium which is radio, and the interesting thing is, as human beings, we can never get enough. Right? There's never enough sources, and what we do is we just find a space for all of it. And my example, my sinquan non example is drive time. Right? You think when Henry Ford was making the automobile, he thought he was going to, you know, introduce the revival of radio. Yeah. Right? Who would think that? But um, we have. A remarkable capacity. I mean, think of the human condition. I mean, we were, you know, you know, 20,000 years ago, right? It was Where date we? and spears and, I mean, yeah. and now, you know, state of play is the iPhone. I mean, it's crazy how adaptable we are. So I mean, how did Steve Jobs see all that? Well, Steve Jobs, it was very interesting. Did you,
0: have you ever met Steve? Or I did. You did meet him? I
1: did. I did. I met him a few times and I would say that one of the most interesting times was when he was very sick. And he was very sick, but uh, he still wanted to be active. And um, uh, what was interesting about that Steve Jobs is, you know, he knew what the end game was and he was, he was remarkably vulnerable, right? And I mean that in the hair down, here were my mistakes type of way, which is you get a lot more out of a person. Good lesson for you, Dustin, you can confess to. (laughs) All right, I'll throw it at me. So, but um, it was, uh, yeah, no, what is interesting, but Jobs. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're a jerk. (laughs) We all know that. Uh, Tell your audience something new. Uh, Jobs um, did, and he really is an example of something, many things incredibly profound. But in the end, I don't think you would put him in the technologist box. I mean, he knew plenty about technology, but what he really was, was a consumerist, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And what really did, and he also had the same attitude uh, that Henry Ford had, and Henry Ford famously said, if I asked the American public what they wanted, they would say a faster horse, right? Mm -hmm. And Jobs, you know, for all the research and everything that we do, Jobs knew right that you had to lead lead and it had to be intuitive right you couldn't ask the people what they wanted and he profoundly changed and this is i think the remarkable thing a half a dozen industries it's amazing you know i mean i remember when the ipad came out i remember hearing or i had read i don't remember where it
0: was but i remember that somebody had said the ipad was a female hygiene product and they were making a joke yeah and we now look, the iPad's around the world, and everyone seems right. to have one, including yeah. my two kids. Like, yeah. He was willing to take the criticism when he presented this to his team and said, this is what it has to yeah. be.
1: Now, he um, uh, famously, I mean, there's so many job stories, but one of them is that, you know, there was the new iPhone coming out. And I think this was early in the curve. And uh, he said, make it smaller. And his engineering team said, it can't be made smaller. And he had a fish tank in his office, and he threw the phone in the in the fish tank, and bubbles came up. And he said, "You can make it smaller." Wow! So the book came out a while back. Yeah, uh,
0: and I did not read it. For mm-hmm. me, it didn't make sense. It was the traits of the the top. And well, the it had high. some big words. Well, it had some big. <laughs> it was too many pages. I like <laughs> yeah. to stick to like thirty pages. like right. a second grade and type. pictures. Like, really, you yeah. too? Huh? Yeah. You're not the Under only that, one that, yeah. that thinks away. And it's the the traits of the highly successful. I mm. want to ask you, not the traits. What are the weaknesses? Okay, seven of, habits. So
1: you're talking about the, the seven book? habits of the, of the highly successful. Not people. the habits. I want to know okay. the weaknesses.
0: What have you seen? You were mm. around the 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 wealthiest, the most successful, the some of the smartest. You were around the theologians, the thinkers. What are their greatest weaknesses?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think that a great view of that. Um, can be found in the two-hour HBO special um, about Theranos, right? And the interesting thing is um, that woman Elizabeth Holmes surrounded herself with a board with extraordinary you know, people, including um, uh, Schultz and a bunch of others incredibly, uh, and Kissinger, right? Mm-hmm. So Kissinger was on the board, if you can imagine, and um, as you know, uh, and by the way, I don't want to, you know, don't want to take away anything from the show, which is really worth viewing, because it is a roadmap of a disaster, and uh, you have to ask, and and that question that you asked was provoked in looking at that and seeing all the remarkably powerful men, mm-hmm. right, who uh, assembled and supported this fraud and reinforced this fraud. And by the way, it was a fraud from the very beginning because the science couldn't work, right? Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars were raised for this. And there was somebody very cogent who just said, it defied all the laws of physics, you know, not on this planet, could that possibly work? Wow. And she was trying to put too much in too compact a space, but more to the point, you can't make an instant lab test in some of the things that she was promising to have an instant lab test. And to will it to be true, she was, you know, taking these blood samples and she wanted to do it with a couple of drops of blood, but that wasn't enough. And so they wound up taking even more blood and sending it out to a regular lab and, you know, hustling it back and pretending they did all the work. Right. Um but the question is. How could all those powerful people, powerful men, believe? And that is, by the way, one of the key weaknesses, right? So um, it is amazing that people can fall for charm. Look, I mean, I think you're the real deal, Dustin. Anyway, oh, people on. can keep, fall no, for no, charm. No, seriously, keep on going. People, uh, no, but I, it's it's people hear something fantastic and they, want to, they believe, want to believe. And the other thing they don't want to do is you know, they don't want to rain on somebody else's parade. They don't want to be the one, I mean, and there's a reinforcing error because they look at it and they say, well, everybody else is believing this shit. So I guess I got to do that too. So, um... So
0: then what happens when in life, and I read this years ago, it was probably for me one of the biggest quotes, is that one of the worst things that can happen to a person is that their dreams come true because what happens next? Yeah. So you're around people where their dreams have come true. Yeah. What happens next?
1: Well, that is, um... That's a, very interesting, that's a very interesting question. And I will simply tell you that I have seen the following narrative, that um, there's a company and uh, there's a team. And the company uh, was an artifact of the genius of the founder and maybe two or three founders. And then there are some collateral human beings that all had, by the way, a very specific and very important role. But that role was purposed just for that application. And then there is an outcome and they make zillions of dollars, right? And they believe that it was them, hmm. but it wasn't. And then, uh, and these you know, are, are people in their 30s. And then they believe that um, they're all that and they're worth this much. And they don't think about it as, oh my God, I won the lottery, right? Yeah. They think that that's how much I'm worth, and then you know they decide, well, shit, I got to get employed, and somebody comes along and says three hundred thousand dollars, and it's like, oh, are you kidding? I made <laughs> one thousand times more that in a day, yeah. right? I'm not going to. How that. do you go back when you've been so far? And there is a there is a saying um, we 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 have to reform the words, but it was how do you go back to the farm once you see a gay parade? But it's yeah. a real problem for people because they, frankly you know, want to believe, and one of the things they wanna believe is their own bullshit. And I think one of the things, and I'm humbled, I am humbled all the time because I live in a world uh, where I find people smarter than me all the time, and I say that with all humility, and you know, these are just brilliant people. Now, there's a lot of brilliant people the the ne quoi that I can often add is how do you commercialize that brilliance, right? Oh, that's a wonderful thing, but how do you commercialize that? And, um, but it is humbling, you know, to see this, you know, I think you might have an IQ of 470. I mean, you know, your IQ is higher than your FICO score. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but- um, are, are you sure? Yeah, but they're, you know, they're just geniuses. So I think what, you know, it becomes very difficult. I mean, you know, you believe your own PR and- Boy, that's such a bad mistake, right? And you can't, and, and, and you just are going to make terrible decisions if you believe that you're that guy that um, you know you can make anything work. Yeah. And what what I
0: found with you being in uh, had envisioned uh, Lobe Enterprises, Lobe NYC dot NYC headquarters, is that you've built a community mm-hmm. that you've put people around you, not just who are smarter than you. But people that look up to you and people that well, that's you can pretty help. goddamn hard. I'm 5'3", so three, dude. Well, it's <laughs> well, look, and I, I stand next to you, and I, I feel right. that you're I, I, tall, right? I, I okay. kind of feel like I could put you in a baby Bjorn. I, <laughs> uh, so back back to the office, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Back to the office. By would the I way, be, Would I I be I'm going to right
1: between your two boots. Would you do that? Gonna <laughs> I am going to do a little. Right. Can you shave can I do... some of that chest hair because that's going to be a little uncomfortable? I thought
0: women like gray hair. Isn't that that it? No, I'm sorry. Okay. When I walked into Loeb dot NYC you had done something, you had created an invention, probably one of the greatest inventions in the history of inventions. He had taken, Oh yeah,
1: of course it was.
0: He had taken a piece of pizza and he had put Uh, it on top of a toaster oven and he was toasting his pizza and it wasn't, well, wasn't working out. So tell a, me, Michael of of toaster, I come around the corner. A
1: toaster. Oh, a toaster, not oven, I take out the I oven part. I didn't have it, a toaster. Yeah, oven. yeah, that would be
0: a step up. You had right. a toaster,
1: and you had put a piece of pizza because there was top. no oven anymore. Somebody took away the toaster oven. That's yeah, and a good idea. I, I wanted warm yeah. pizza.
0: And when he showed me the bottom, it was it burnt. was burnt. And, and I, had I said, like, you know, and I said, grill marks. And I said, you're not the first New Yorker to burn a pizza. That's probably. And then true. you looked at me and said, "You want one too?" And I said, "I am. Yeah, maybe hungry. not." Yeah. <laughs> it actually looked. Can I take a bite of yours?
3: Well, That's you the don't... equivalent of me taking Jiffy Pop in college and putting it on the radiator. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> now I know why I got the baby born invitation. It yeah, was but, the pizza right? But walking okay. through
0: your building, there's so much energy. Mm-hmm. How do you create that?
1: Uh, you don't. Um, basically, what you do is you let the people create it themselves. So um, you just make an environment where, by the way, safe. Now, what do I mean by safe? You know, um, I think yeah. Because you have
0: about twenty bodybuilders. uh, No, no. (laughs) I apologize. These are your mercenaries. We are right across
1: from the Trump building, so there's a lot of security. Anyway, the um, no, but uh, you know, we we culturally, Fortune 500 companies, there is um, you know always the blame and shame stuff, right? Something goes wrong, and we we got to suss out the guilty, and we got to do something about that. What safety is, is you have got to make an environment where people can experiment and experimental experiments, by the way, have a high rate of failure, mm-hmm. but you can't innovate without that. And um, you got to be able to say, you know what, this is about try, try, try again. The, um, the, a good quote or a good way of thinking about things is something Edison said, which is, I never failed. I just figured out 10,000 ways how not to make a light bulb. Wow. And that is really how you got to think about all this experimentation, which is it's a learning experiment. Now, try to do it efficiently. Try to, and by the way, read the data, right? Don't Mm -hmm. try to, I mean, that's another mistake people try to do. I mean, they look at the data and then it's like, you know, bowling, you know, sending the bowling ball down the lane. They kind of (laughs) like lean to one side, hoping that the ball... (laughs) Doesn't work that way. Well. Yeah, I mean,
0: are you watching me, by the way yeah. when i when I bowl with my <laughs> eight year old and my six year old? Oh, no, no, that's I'm, what we do. No, I'm not. I, don't get to the, uh, yeah, I didn't not right, make it. Like, work it that way. It. I mean,
1: once that ball leaves your hand that's it. Not,
0: You're telling me you not. couldn't invent something I can just. What but, was the old? Uh, remember the old? Was it Bewitch? You would like? Oh yeah, nose little and nose. Yes,
4: would do that. Right. What you say makes sense though, because there's so many organizations today that I see in education and other fields where it's a top-down approach, and they try Mm -hmm. to control the people under them, and then they wonder why people are not being productive. And so it makes total sense that if you free them up to make mistakes and to innovate, that that would uh, turn out to be a better result. So Brian,
1: I'm going to listen to you because I think you've been in school for about 40 years. Yeah, he, he's like, been there is, a, a, uh, Let's bring this it down to Reader's Digest to a college drive. Right, I mean, I think Michael, to Michael. Michael's this a college out. What this guy wanted to have is more letters behind his name. He wanted like that was one a, for every goddamn bo- alphabet.
0: Did you letter. believe that intro that took what, two I know two pages, two and a half. We were really talking
1: about Robin's intro. We had to cut stuff out. She has the PhD. That's what I'm striving for. Yeah, you guys
0: are. Yeah, we're all struggling to keep up with Michael here.
1: Yeah. So you know, one thing I did wanted to add about there's so much to talk about if you're talking about jobs but it's a very interesting um it's a very interesting thread and very interesting lesson uh, because i have one here i have a blackberry right which you made a lot of fun of yep um how high have you dropped it oh man you can drop it how tall are you again? just right five three so it doesn't have to fall that far
0: sorry i had to throw that
1: it's okay um and i'm gonna throw it at you after this but um
0: (laughs) can i have it uh,
1: no. I'll keep it. Right. No, there it's mine. Go. But what's interesting is how did Blackberry lose the war? How'd right? they do it? They were way out in front. Right? Yeah. They were years in front. They had everything. The distribution channel, the recognition, what is it? Take RSG fall?
0: How did they fall?
1: Well that that is something that we gotta go back and we gotta think about. And I'll tell you exactly why. Because they thought, right, they thought what they had was a phone. All right. And Steve Jobs said it's a computer.
4: Yeah.
1: It's a computer in your pocket, right? And that's how he won, and he reconceptualized that. Now, before, right? There was the iPod, right? That's the one with the music. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. The, before the there was the Walkman. What's the difference that. between the Walkman, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, an iPod? And the answer was that you know, it could. You know, hold things in memory. It could hold your songs in memory. By the way, the first one could hold a thousand songs. Wow! That's and that was big. a big deal. Now that's it's all like up to like fifty thousand or so. So, what do you have in that fanny pack around your waist right now? Oh, I do that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That's my utility belt. <laughs> right? That's it. Yeah, that's my <laughs> utility. I go to the Bat Cave after this, and all I can say is you're in fucking trouble, you
0: know? just, yeah. So, of all the startups that you mm. have worked with, uh, some of them have succeeded, and some of them have failed. Um, no, they haven't. They've all succeeded. They've all succeeded. Uh, they've okay, all succeeded. so when do right? you- Right, I've w- never failed. in some ways. So uh, has failed. there ever been one that, that didn't work and it shocked you?
1: Shocked me. Uh, the answer to that is no. Um, and the answer to that is if you're level-headed about all this stuff, and I try to be, then they can all fail, right? Um, there is, uh, there's always that chance of failure. And as soon as you're in the can't fail mode, uh, you know, you're screwed, right? I mean, you cannot be a good custodian, a good steward. Quitting's not an option. Quitting is, quitting is an option. All right, when? but it's really not. But you see, it's not quitting. What it is, is pivoting, redirecting, doing something. It's about highest and best use. But, you, and again, thinking of it as quitting is the same, put it in the same box as failure. It's not that, right? It's I learned something and with this new knowledge, I'm gonna redirect and I'm gonna take that time and capital mm-hmm. and I'm gonna put it to better use.
3: Do you know when to walk away when something's not working? Have you learned that through the years?
1: Um, I do, and well, well, the answer is probably not, right? But I will tell you something, Robin. The interesting thing about that is the reverse case, right? I think there's many things that people walked away from that they shouldn't have, right? And what do I mean by that? I mean, there are many things that succeeded, right? And they were tried, and the execution was flawed, Mm -hmm. but the theory of it is right, okay? Now, take, by the way, ATMs. Beautiful example, ATMs. The technology for ATMs existence since the 1920s, maybe not all of it, but being able to like have a box and have money coming out without a human being, right? Mm-hmm. And they actually tried it, right? And it didn't work, right? And the guys, the bankers came away saying, nah, people really wanna tell her, to. Right? They, really they really wanna stand in that queue on Friday afternoon <laughs> and they yeah. wanna spend 45 minutes waiting to catch that's to that. what they want because you know what i mean they were, they're not going to try you know they're just not going to try you know trust some box right yeah. and you know so it took until the 70s to really roll that into it and by the way there's another artifact of that which is a little bit about humanity okay so i'm amazed that i can bring my maybe my, not my blackberry but i also have a samsung on to an airplane right, and I can go into this, you know, missile of aluminum traveling, you know, above an ocean at 600, you know, miles per hour at 35,000 feet, and people try to call Australia, and then they bitch when they can't go through. Are you kidding <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah, like, the, the way, the, are the, you the, kidding me? I mean, I uh, complain about, oh, my God, I mean, you know, get, I mean, what about maybe you could get Australia? I mean, that's amazing, yeah. right, that yeah. you could do that. So, um, about things that we give up on, um, we, when we think about things, we try to be theory based, right? We try to be theory based. And what is theory based sounding? What, what, yeah. what would, and if it was like a phone call, imagine if you had, instead of um, a phone, instead of a landline, imagine if you could make it totally portable, right? That is a theory. That's a theory, right? And... You know, in the very beginning they were like this big and mm-hmm. they cost a shitload of money and no one, right? There was no distribution, there was no, the range was terrible and it was very easy at the moment to just give up, yeah. say this sucks, right? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be too heavy, too clunky, too expensive, shitty range, shitty reception, I'm done, right? But think what you would have missed, right? So good example. I'm, yeah. th- you know, we tend to be theory-based. And we tend to say, okay, if the failure, if there's a failure, it could be many reasons for failure, but it's likely an executional failure. Okay. And in venture, um, because you know, you when we talk about loeb enterprises, people use the word incubator, people use the word venture and we're it's in venture capital and we're a little of both and but this is
0: your money though on the line our money this is very real yeah
1: and it's about 50 million a year it's a million a week oh my god that's a big number it's a big number a of, and uh, but, it, but it does make it it does make it real right and uh, we do call it uh i never called it that but my daughter rebranded it the venture collective but the collective about it is like you know collective. what it's um yeah i mean like you know we win together we lose together right so uh and everybody understands that you know, there is a finite amount of capital, right? It's just, you know, it's not flowing, it's a finite amount of capital, so it really is highest and best use. And everybody in the community has an obligation to that because um, if it all doesn't work, then it can't be recycled into the collective and we can't launch the next thing. And by the way, the number right now is used 18, I'm going to go with that, 1820, something like that. But, you know, it could be 200, right? Doesn't have to be that. We're opening up in Atlanta. Um, I had the, you know, state of Kansas said, please, 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 we'd love you to open here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, uh, we also had um, other cities. and Alabama
0: invited you as well.
1: They did. They're they're kind of in the press right now. They decided Roe versus Wade is more important. That was more important than than job stimulation. Um, But uh, anyway, but you know, the, the, the theory of it is that, you know, Menlo Park or New York or Boston does not have a headlock on all great new ideas, that inspiration comes from many different places. Uh, and the fact of the matter is it's, a, it's an unbelievable ecosystem in San Francisco. It's amazing the companies that they built and Seattle and New York and uh, Boston. But, um, you know, there's talent everywhere. And uh, the fact of the matter is if we take that talent and the ideation and the capital uh, and we put it all together in one place and we have the encouragement but The other thing we have at Loeb NYC, in addition to the companies, and if you were to draw on a piece of paper, imagine a bunch of vertical lines, right? And each one of those lanes is a company on on top of that, or below that, uh, depending on how you think about it is what we call shared services. Okay, and we got about 150 people in shared services. And the concept there is the shed of tools that every entrepreneur needs to build, right. And you know, so if you need a level, I got a level, you need a saw, I got a saw, right? right, you need a hammer, I got a hammer. What does an entrepreneur need, right? Well, they need capital. But they also need marketing. And we have old school to new school, new school, all things digital, right? yep. not to be jargony, but SEM, SEO, programmatic, um, social, influencer, podcast, you name it. Uh, old school would be things like direct mail (laughs) okay we still do direct mail direct mail works uh we also have a call center in virginia it's ours 100 seat center in virginia because you need customer care sometimes you want to close with an outbound call uh and then we have a field force that we build for our healthcare companies but um back office accounting entrepreneurs suck at back office accounting Mm Counting, you know, coding bills, they're dreadful. They're just dreadful. Legal, right, Uh, strategy. um, We have uh, industrial strength sales. So we got a lot there. And the thinking is the entrepreneur, right, should focus on building the business. And right now, what do they focus on? They focus on raising capital. Mm -hmm. They focus on- And that's a big
0: distraction, by the way, taking them from the things they're good at.
1: They, you know, 50%, they will tell you that half their time is spent raising money or keeping the money they raised happy. so uh, We have a caller that'll be calling
0: in momentarily. Okay. Uh, but before we get to the caller, uh, on the topic of immigration, mm. unless uh, the number's called, called in. Uh, yeah, we, it looks like we have somebody on the line. So give us one moment. So the one listener actually called in? There's one person. <laughs> we have Be Well Connected Health. Don't take a right. shot at them. Yeah. Come on. Why would you do this to Be Well? Uh, we're going to uh, tune them in in a moment. Uh, I've got my producer playing with the cell phone. Immigration. Immigration. Okay. It's a topic. What What do you think? And by the way, I will tell the listeners, I sit on the Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services mm-hmm. uh, board. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned coming from my own uh, belief system was it was challenge day one. I had always thought that, well, immigrants, they're all villains. They're all bad people. Like, And what I learned was, these are the most resilient ones. These are the most resilient people alive. The, mm. the ones that fought to get here. The ones that traveled thousands of miles. They gave everything they had to come to our country, a country that we take for granted.
1: Mm-hmm. And then they met you and changed their mind. I, they of- came back. Left. <laughs> they left. I mean, they went back <laughs> on. That,
0: what they, they go back right. on? It, what, that, that
1: you should write, write, make them work That's a good t shirt. Lifestyle. are going to We're going to hold, we're gonna hold, we're gonna hold right.
0: the question. We've got uh, Bewell on the line. Bewell, can you hear us?
2: I can. How are you? Uh,
0: All right. So who do we have on line from BeWell?
2: This is Sherry Kitchen, head of operations at BeWell. How are you?
0: Hi, Sherry. All right. got Michael Loeb in studio, uh, serial entrepreneur, Michael Loeb, and a question from BeWell. So BeWell, I'll have you go at Michael.
2: All right, Michael. Great to meet you.
1: Great to meet you. All
2: right. So um, question that we have for you is what advice do you have for early stage companies like BUL, entrepreneurs like ourselves that are poised to disrupt healthcare in a very big way, where speed is of the utmost importance in terms mm. of continuing to build a culture of balance and a people first approach.
1: Well, <clears throat> um, I don't really know what a people first approach is, because when you have a startup, it really is 24 uh, seven and you got to make a bunch of sacrifices and um you know work life balance um is uh something that um you do have to sacrifice uh you got to be all in you got to be totally passionate totally committed and you need that um up and down the company and uh because really what you want to do and what you want to have your people do is think you know 24/7 how do i make it better how do i execute how do i make it better um and right. that by the way you know, is the, you know, a key, fo- key part of the success point. Um, and, um, unfortunately, you know, the backyard barbecues, you know, we got to delay until we hit our success metrics. And, um, then we can do that all, you know, uh, all the time that we want. Um, now you had, um, not just one question, but about 14 in there. So why don't you hit me with another one?
0: Yeah, that was a good one. And I'm going to throw it in there that, uh, Kristen Valdez, CEO and co-founder of be well, that right now, you just made a mention a moment ago that the, those that founded the company are always having to be out raising money mm-hmm. at this moment, she is with an investor yeah. trying to raise money where <laughs> right. she should be on the line. So I'm going to throw <laughs> that back to, to Sherry.
2: Sure. Yeah, no, um, I would say, just in terms of you know some of the success factors from mm-hmm. an early stage perspective mm-hmm. um in really growing your organizations and mm-hmm. getting them off the ground, or just mm-hmm. you know things that we're always looking for, folks mm-hmm. like you serial entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs in terms of any key points you have there advice you have there
1: well, um I recommend that you get the very best team you can, and um what you want frankly is um to kind of forecast and plan your success. And so um, one of my theories is to over hire. Now, I don't mean that in terms of the number of human beings, but the quality of human beings. So you want to hire that person who can execute and be extraordinary, not just today, but, you know, next year and the year after, and the year after that. And you will find that there are some seminal people of critical importance that you want in, um, you know, critical parts of your organization that um, will lead and inspire others. And by the way, um, in capital raises are very important because that's what investors want to see as well. Investors uh, follow the money. They follow success. Uh, They will tell you that uh, one of the most important markers and indicators of success is prior success. So it's that team that you want to hire and that team has got to drink the Kool-Aid and be totally committed. Um, so that would be a couple of things that I would look for.
2: Wonderful. Yes, we we absolutely agree in terms of building that team. Thank you very much.
0: All right. And You're how do, and what is Bewell's website?
2: wells website is com.
0: Fantastic. All Thank right, you. Sherry, to the entire uh, Be Well team, thanks for tuning in. All
2: right. Absolutely. Thank so, you. Have a great day. All Thank right, you. thanks,
0: Sherry. So I mean, to throw us off uh, topic, obviously people like to, to ask you questions when, when they're also entrepreneurs. Mm. So the immigration question, mm.
2: uh, what
0: do you think?
1: I mean, yeah. there's
0: one side that goes, they should all get kicked out. And the other side's saying, have you thought this through?
1: Yeah, so I have a non-emotional answer to that. Um, my answer is just the calculus. So um, let's take a look at another country, and the country I'm going to have us take a look at is Japan, okay? So Japan, peak oil for Japan was 131 million people. They're down, down to 126. They're supposed to go down, okay, by 2050 to 76 million people. Wow. 76 million people, okay. So, uh, and by the way, they're all going to be 80, okay? (laughs) Now, in Japan, they have about... 300,000 Koreans that they call foreigners, except that they've been in Japan for hundreds of years, right? So this is a country that, you know, anybody from the outside, you know, the body rejects the transplanted tissue. They cannot import people. So think of this, think of a country that, you know, the population goes almost down by half, think of all the towns, right? There's just going to be ghost town after ghost town in Japan, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to have all this infrastructure that's not going to be used, all this highways, all the, you know, the plumbing, everything. And the country, right, is being hollowed out. Uh, Another measure is that at peak, uh, Japan was 9% of worldwide GNP, and by 2050, it's going to go down to 3%. Talk about a marginalized country. So, (laughs) Why? Well, you know, Japan, like America, like most of uh, First World Nations, um, have a birth rate that is below replacement, right? Which is 2.1 kids for every woman. Um, And if you have a declining population, one of the great consequences of that is wealth. Now, what do I mean by that? Two-thirds of personal wealth is tied up in your house, okay? And guess what happens, right? There's this little thing called supply and demand, right? And if supply, right, is static, but demand goes down, prices go down. So if population declines, guess what happens to the value of your house? Fewer buyers, right? Mm -hmm. Goes down. So it is not just an article of faith. It is a requirement for this country to keep on growing for the expectation of everybody in this country, which is, We want a fulfilled life, right? We want to have a good and sound retirement. And you're not gonna get that if your single biggest asset on your personal balance sheet is declining in value, right? So for me, it starts with that calculus. And then we get to other practical applications. If you look at companies like Microsoft and Google and Facebook, they have outputs all over the world outposts this is me
0: that's michael I loeb's phone sorry is that, that phone number One, seven or no four no nine?
1: no that's that's the samsung sorry all right. <laughs> um they have outposts all over the world and uh why do they have outposts all over the world well if muhammad can't go to the mountain you know then the reverse has got to be true they got to go where the talent is right so and why because we have immigration policies that make it very difficult for the talent to come here and what a bloody shame right cuz these are the people who are going to work 3 years, 5 years, 10 years at Microsoft and then guess what they're going to do they're going to spin out and start their own company and they're going to raise capital and they're going to hire 10 people and then that's going to turn into 100 and then that's going to IPO and those 100 people are going to be millionaires i mean isn't that what it's all what about what a story right yeah. that's what that this happens. country is all about all the, all the time all the time all the time if you look at the founders right if you take a look at you know, the founders of so-called unicorns or whatever, and you look at those faces, oh, my God, what diversity, right? There's Asians, right, a lot of Indians. I mean, oh, my, and there are a lot of first gens, and they're starting huge and valuable businesses. It's crazy, right? And that's what this country is all about, and that's what this country has to be all about. There's a guy, I think I got this right, Lester Thoreau. He's an economist at Harvard, he wrote a seminal paper about 30 years ago, and it was titled, Should Michael Jordan Cut His Own Lawn? <laughs> right? And you know what? Yeah. He came to this wicked, crazy conclusion. Michael Jordan shouldn't be cutting his own lawn. <laughs> right. You know why? Not highest and best use. And not only that, there's a hazard. What if he goes over his toe? That would be really bad for basketball, right? Sure. There's a consequence. Okay. There is a consequence. Yeah. And what, of course, it was, was a metaphor for this country. Right? So, it was, should we be pissed off that we're not making sneakers in this country anymore? And the conclusion is, you know what? That's okay. Right? That's okay. Why is that okay? Highest and best use. Because instead of a factory floor, if those guys right, are in some incubator somewhere coming up with the next billion dollar company, that's what this is all about. It is not an accident. Think of the great 21st century country, uh, companies. Microsoft, which of course was you know twentieth uh, century, but Microsoft, Facebook, Google, right? Where did those come from? Those are worldwide companies of tremendous power and import. Apple, right, is the first trillion dollar company. Can you believe it? Hmm. You know, uh, Amazon, right? Where did they come from? And they came out of the minds of people here right, who had a brazen and crazy idea. Think about that. I'm gonna sell books online. How nuts was that, right? And look at what it came, look what sprung from that, right? And that's what this country is all about. And we need the best talent, you know, worldwide, and we need, we need it here. Right? Well, well said. And that's gonna lead us into
0: some questions from the Academy because these are the future leaders of this nation. So
4: Professor Brian. All right, Michael, so when you when you move from one project and you move into a new venture, are there some steadfast criteria or principles that you can apply from your past experiences to these new projects, or is it essential for you to continually
1: be innovative in the way you think about yeah. and, and approach these new ventures? <clears throat> can I say both, or is that sure. light and no namby? So, yeah, there are some steadfast principles. Uh, One, um, you know, of our 20 companies or so, uh, I'd say roughly half, and by the way, not all are in New York, right? We have three in California, one in Wisconsin, one in Boston, um, two in Virginia, one in Atlanta. And we have, in addition to that, investments. that we that are more passive, and we wouldn't consider those portfolio com- companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, by the way, chase the talent, right, wherever it is. And half of our companies are entirely organically homegrown, and some range from a thread of an outside idea that we say, ooh, that's kind of cool, let's look into it, to a fully formed company that we bring in, but they're early in the curve, mm-hmm. early in the curve, and there's several boxes we have to check Um we gotta love the model. We gotta love the team. We it's gotta be in our space. Now we are industry agnostic, but process devout. Right. Okay. Um, and um, for us, you know, the process has got to be direct to consumer marketing, multiple channels. Right. We wanna mm-hmm. we wanna show off what we can do well, uh, and multiple channels. You know, digital, non digital are are a couple of examples. Um, it's got to be we love you know it's got to be disruptive tech leaning we like platforms better in products so there's a bunch of in our mental checkbook checkbox. we a number of boxes we got to check those are kind of reasonably steadfast principle but mm-hmm. the principle among the principle is the leader right the leader so if it's one of our leaders or if it's an outside company coming in what i say about the leader is you want that guy or gal Who's going to rip their own arm out and beat you with it to win? Mm -hmm. Okay, that it's they're going to go through it, they're going to go under it, they're going to go around it, they're going to build a new wall, they're going, but they are going to win. They're irrepressible, and they're just going to win. And the thing about building a company is that you stare in the face of failure all the time, right? And Mike Tyson says, "We all got a plan until we get hit in the nose," right? And (laughs) that's the game changer. How do you get back up? Well, that's the thing, you, you know, number one, don't think about it as a failure. Think about it as a learning experience, right? right? Think, I'm not gonna do that one again, right? So, you know, I'm, I, I, I know not to lead with my chin, right? Don't go on his left side because he's got a really good right <laughs> hook. That's what you learn, right? right? And so the other interesting thing about that is, I say, we, we have a thing called internatopia, which is a subtopia is that a new word or can i, I made it, up. it. no no you okay can't so it.
0: anybody out there i want you to pen this and i want you to turn Yeah.
1: and um we have 40 interns right and by the way um this year we had 1800 applications wow, 1800 the, from the 40 spots and we look for rising seniors you know from and we look for gifted people and half of the interns in one of our companies and half in our other companies outside companies that by the way we pay the bills right we pay the interns okay and in internatopia uh the first three days of internatopia we do this in two flights is um three days of boot camp right how to become an entrepreneur and one of the things we try to do is redirect their brain to say you know what when you're in college you're a customer right? There's a sign-up sheet on the door of every professor. You probably have one, Brian, right?
2: And you just put, you
1: just write your (laughs) name Uh, in. You want to work at the Naval Academy? Right. I got you a job. Oh, you know what? Would you let me in? Anyway. (laughs) What is this? Instead
0: of a wife swap, we're going to do a job swap. You're going to be the professor. Oh, that's a reality show. Let's do that.
1: Okay. So um, (laughs) anyway, um, but uh, I lost my
5: you, you do that all the time. I know. I just, what is
1: that? I know, Internatopia. I know I'm talking about Internatopia. <laughs> anyway, uh, boot camp. bootcamp. Yeah, thank you. Boot camp. Uh, and three days of boot camp. And yes, I was talking about if you're in college, you're a customer, right? You got a mm-hmm. sign-up sheet. You, you can see the professor. But, you know, when you're working at a startup, man, everybody's hairs on fire. And it's like, hey, I want a half hour with you. Well, hey, <laughs> I want to pay the bills, okay? <laughs> you know, I got to see this potential investor or it's lights out, right? I mean... So, you know, you're not, you're not a customer. But we try to reorient their thinking to the real world, and it's two days of boot camp followed by a day of matching. So the CEOs come in, and there's this really kind of cool matching process so that um, I pick you and you pick me. And instead of uh, you running and getting me coffee, part of it is the CEO has got to give me a defined project right, of what that intern is going to do. Okay. Um, And we really try to have an experience because the idea is, you know, you say you want to be an entrepreneur, but you have no idea what that means. Okay, but now, you know, Now, what do people
0: think the word entrepreneur means? Uh, And what what does Michael Loeb?
1: Well, in in New York, um, entrepreneur means the same thing as actor, which really means waiter, (laughs) right? I'm an entrepreneur. I think everybody, you know, everybody who who That's dishes funny. out slop is an entrepreneur, <laughs> yeah. right? They're just yeah. between between gigs yeah. right now, so you know, I gotta pay a few bills. I want to see how the hoi polloi really get it done, right? I need to be part of the people for me to right. sell something to them, so um yeah i mean entrepreneur it's a french word um entrepreneur something like that something like that. Right? i did pretty good well, i love good. the really? way you say I, that i can tell you it's very right. masculine when i say it isn't it everything you say is masculine who no, i am mean yes you can well enough. you're drinking
0: by the way for those listening in okay. my favorite drink is kombucha and i gave one to michael and he absolutely loves it so his favorite <laughs> drink is kombucha uh, they're a sponsor by, right they are not but they uh master brew
1: Kabucha right. pineapple you, you, you know what dude you got a lot to learn <laughs> what you got to do is you, you got to say it sucks and if you want me to say it not sucks then you got to sponsor me i mean that's how it works
0: i love it all right one yeah. more question from the academy and then now we're going to jump over to a
1: caller all
3: okay. right you know so mike i'm just going to give you some of the fun ones we asked some of the students what what they wanted to know about you one of them was what is your favorite piece of art
1: mm. so before i get that I'll get to that, but I, I interrupted myself and now I remember what I was going to say, um, which is um, one of the things that we do have, right, which is kind of cool, is we have an expert poker player, like, uh, you know, the really? guy who won, like, the biggest pots ever, right? And they teach these interns, as part of Internotopia, how to play poker. Awesome. Right? And the reason for that, is that are you, you a card
0: counter by the way
1: i am not a card counter <laughs> but if i did play poker i would be um, but the reason for that is it's about it's a metaphor for decisioning because if that pot in the middle is your life savings you are guaranteed to lose right mm-hmm. and if you're that entrepreneur and you think about it that way you're just not going to have clarity right You can't think about it in any other way than it's a bunch of plastic chips in the middle, and you need that detachment to have clarity of thought. Hmm. right? So um, that is one of the things we do in Eternatopia. We teach everybody poker, and they gotta learn how to bet, they gotta learn how to bluff, right? because you know how many you know how many few people bluff, and you need to be able to bluff all the time because really well you're negotiating with somebody on the other side and you're saying holy should i need this order if i don't get it i'm dead and if they hear that it's like oh that price it just went in Desperate, half right yeah right so you can't do that and it's like look you know factory's terribly busy maybe i can fit you in <laughs> but you got to say yes right now
0: yeah Okay. It's like a real estate agent. I'm telling you, if you I don't know. buy this, the shit. person that's
1: going to be walking yeah. the door. In fact, you're very lucky. I had to beat him away before I walked in here. <laughs> barely survived. I'm right. sorry. Favorite pita bar, piece yeah. of art.
0: Yeah, pita. Yeah, pita. Pita. Well, no, t- a piece of dude, art?
1: you know you're the one who said Newark. Okay, <laughs> you oh, did, shit. Dustin. All right, saying. all right. Slip of the tongue. I caught you with pita. All right. So um, favorite pita. Uh, well, you pita know, bread or what are we talking? Yeah. Well, you know what? I like it crispy. Do you? Yeah. If you're going back, you like? Do you like
0: hummus or you?
1: I'll do hummus. Yeah, hummus. yeah, you know about hummus? I'll tell you about hummus. Tell there's us. something that you know. way, it's a new startup idea. Hummus throw it out there. What's uh, your idea? chickpeas. Uh, we're just gonna grind that up. Okay. Uh, but hummus, by the way, is a sneaky fatty food. Most people think like, you know, super the, healthy, super healthy, right. But if you look at your, the fat bodies, I mean, so it's, it's terrible. I mean, I look, they say good fat really I mean this guy has got good fat all over his body but <laughs> weighing in at
0: 192 pounds not bad 6%
1: man. body fat Destin, wow you're able, Michael Lowe
3: you're not gonna be able to walk out of here with your head's gonna be so bad I'm today. telling you this is pretty good I got Michael so kind of okay
0: favorite me. piece of art favorite yeah. piece of art yes. um and
1: favorite piece of cheese yeah. because okay. I do like Ooh, cheese as mid, well. oh really the good stuff what oh do you think? my god oh midnight moon do you know really? about midnight moon no. so where do you <gasps> find this I'm gonna send you some all right so to our caller who is listening yeah. in you're gonna have to give me some midnight moon I will give you... Okay, so back to PETA. Midnight Moon. All right. It's good with PETA. All right, (laughs) PETA. Okay. Um, Midnight Moon. By the way, one of the things, one of the artifacts of an entrepreneur is you can look at anything and kind of make it better, but Midnight Moon is an example. It really is an example. Goat cheese used to suck, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, Goat cheese. This is Goat cheese, and it's remarkable. I mean, it's amazing. Favorite piece of art. So uh, we have... um, the Hamptons house, which you talked about a little bit. And we have, um, the New York townhouse that we live in. Uh, one's a, a very authentic 19th century house. So house. is this Airbnb? Like, oh it yeah, it You is. stay there for a night, you go <laughs> to the next and and by the way it's cheap too when Very we good. we throw in uh, we throw in meals you know just to make Child it service and heard you're yeah. good you're a good cook i'm a pretty good cook my ribs you got to be around for all right sorry. Ribs. it's the adhd i'm going to let you finish <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah it's don't a make a bit. promise you can't keep okay <laughs> so um you know i'm um so and, and the and the um beach house is is mid century stuff but i have um Uh, uh, You know, a couple of pieces of art that I appreciate, and I'm going to broaden the definition of art uh, to include uh, decorative arts. Okay. And um, we have uh, one of my favorites and uh, is a piece of furniture Mm -hmm. in our uh, New York house. And it was crafted by a company called Herter Brothers. The Herder brothers called themselves cabinet makers, but they actually were architects. And the reason why they called themselves cabinet makers is because in the day, you would make a house from the inside out, not the outside in. And they would only work for, uh, before there was uh, a Forbes 400, there was the Astor 400. Mm-hmm. And the Astor 400 was named after Lady Astor because her ballroom could fit 400 people. Wow. And if you were in the invite list, you were part of the Astor 400. <laughs> but um, they made uh, some extraordinary homes, uh, and including um, one of the greatest mansions in New York, uh, which was Cornelius Vanderbilt's mansion, Uh, And what they did is they sat down with Vandy and they said, hey, Vandy, (laughs) you know, like, let's go room by room. And um, the first room they worked on was his study. And they made, and this is still around and it's in the Met, Vanderbilt's desk, right? And Vanderbilt's desk is made out of rosewood. It is extraordinary, Mm -hmm. right? And the top of the desk, okay, and this is where he would work, top of the desk had mother-of-pearl inlay, Of the heavens, okay? But all the stars were placed for the day that Cornelius Vanderbilt was born. Oh, my gosh. And you got to see this thing. It's unbelievable. So (laughs) we have a lot of Herder Brothers pieces uh, in that house. And one of the pieces was um, crafted for the Mark Hopkins mansion which is where the Mark Hopkins Hotel is now in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And that, too, was done in, like, the 1880s, um, actually 1870s. And you're uh, off a little bit there. Thanks for fixing it. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, And um, they, too, um, architected the house and did all the furniture in the house. And it was this extraordinary home was a victim, as most of the housing stock was, of the 1906 uh, earthquake and fire. And as the house is burning down, the people who worked in the house pulled out some of the family's favorite artifacts. And that's one that you have. Including in this cabinet, which is totally extraordinary. And uh, that's probably one of my favorites um, because of, among other things, the provenance, right? The yeah. story behind the what story. It represents. It is a magnificent piece, um, of great significance, and they you know threw everything at it. It's got micro inlay, brass inlay, it's got plaques. It's crazy. So how it's do, the, you, how it's do you how do
0: you keep your kids away from it?
1: Oh, was um, the there like a
0: chain link fence? Chain, or? chains. Yes, chains. it's
1: chains and ankle bracelets are. Helpful, <laughs> That's right? what you do. Little, got the little yeah, zap them and they get zaps. Right. You know the, the they objected to the ones around their necks. It didn't so work. Yeah, and well, I expected well, it did you work. to do it that a bit too, too well. So they that, would pass out after that. That's good to know. So, are there any fingerprints on it? No, and don't get any smart I ideas. I got some ideas next time ass. I'm there. I'm no going to go in. We'll go,
0: yeah. You only know what I've just done to your desk. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> All right, so uh, now we're going to tie in somebody very special in your life. Uh, somebody that's been with you for 20 years, I believe, give or take a, a day. And from what I've been told, she keeps are you, you in
1: trouble. It sounds like shingles you're talking about, <laughs> Is it right? shingles? I, mean, you, <laughs> I don't know. You Jen Medell never, are you on never the line? leaves you. <laughs> Jen, are you there?
2: I'm here,
5: good morning.
1: Good morning.
5: Good morning, Michael.
1: Jen who? Yeah, who are you again? Yeah. Tell us what you do.
5: Um, I keep Michael out of jail.
1: That's you true. You keep him out. How have you done you so done, far? Yeah, pretty shitty job. Thank
5: well, you. Well, I've got to tell you, uh, Michael has a very brilliant business partner that's been with him for 30 years.
0: Wow, a little bit longer. Do you ever yeah. have jealousy about that?
5: <laughs> no, never, because he actually is the wet blanket, as Michael...
1: That's not me. Rich, rich the Weds blanket, yeah. Uh, that's not how you wake up in the morning, is it, yeah. Michael? No. <laughs> no, no. Not with my depends. I've been really good ever well, since. Well, at that. your age, Michael. <laughs> I right. mean, you're what? You're what, 41, 42 yeah, now. I like that. Yeah, but yeah. nine trips to the bathroom later. I'm yeah. Perfect. One of the
0: questions we're asking later, Jen, is what happens when uh, when when Michael Loeb has uh, a midlife crisis? Like, what would that look like? So we're going to hold that one off. But right now, before we dig into it, we're going to talk. It a
5: shitload of money. That's what. It, that's what it is. That,
0: that's what I'll have to do. All right. So let's talk about Michael's. Uh, philanthropic side uh, also talk about michael uh something that i've heard from from some people is that uh, he tends to send emails late at night and messages late at night um, I, 3 a.m is this that, is this still the case
5: there, there you know what it, it is pretty funny because there are 3 a.m emails and there are 4 a.m and 5 a.m it's 24 7 you're always going to get an email from michael and he you know he's awake so you should be awake
1: is right? that right michael yes. is that how this works Yes, if I'm writing you uh, yeah. at 3 a.m., I expect a response by 3:15. Stop.
5: Hundred thousand percent. But my most favorite email is on Thanksgiving morning, and it was probably like I don't know, call it 4 a.m. Whatever. And Michael started it off with "Thank you for all that you do," and
0: who now, put you up to Michael this, Michael? Have,
5: me and Michael have an amazing relationship, which is love hate we give each other the finger we tell each other to fuck off we like you know that's whatever. the
0: love part yeah that that's fun huh <laughs> that's what you do you, are you in my home is that, how did you know
5: good. but but at three fifteen or ish in the morning at thanksgiving it that thanks for being smart and on it thanks for anticipating thanks for being my 24 7 365. thanks for being patient with me and covering up my defects with a smile and good cheer Thanks for
1: That's a full-time me job right there.
5: What, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for allowing me, Michael, to focus on what I am good at and knowing what I am bad at and taking care of Which is just little it.
1: tiny things. Anyway, go ahead. Thank you. Right. Because you're a in the app. Can you give me that? I want to send that again on Thanksgiving. So. Oh,
0: yeah,
5: yeah, 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 Can we do so a poster of that? Yeah, by the way, that,
0: that does sound familiar. I think he copy and pasted that <laughs> from somewhere. Right.
5: Yeah. And it said, in, in conclusion, it said, thanks for being all that you are. Now, that that's you is did a 315 well. a.m. CEO email.
1: That's, that that's pretty cool.
5: About, right.
1: Um, well, it is that so. one day of the year. <laughs> oh, I got an easy job. I can oh, be a son of a bitch you, for 364. One, one day, I got to be oh. nice. I can do that.
3: You're a softie. Right. And by the way,
1: I emptied it out at 3 a.m., right? You oh, know, at 3.15, good. I was a bastard again. All right, go ahead, Jen.
5: No, I just wanted to say that actually Michael is so... He's a chameleon. He can be cranky. He can be awesome. He can be... An asshole, like whatever, but it depends on the day. But every day, he doesn't stop moving. He doesn't stop thinking. He doesn't stop entrepreneuring, you know? And that's what makes him unique and amazing. Wow. And our enterprise, truly fantastic.
0: Well, I can tell you, and you know this, that you get the best of people and you get the worst of them. And the best of Michael Loeb is quite amazing. Um, well, we,
5: and he's also philanthropic.
0: So let, let's talk about that. Um And before I I allow you to to continue with what what we're about to announce next, uh, for those of you that that know a bit of my story, in 1987 and 1988, I was sent to live in foster care. The problem was because I was a little boy that had too much dysfunction in my home. My father had been sent to prison and my mother had left the family. Uh, I wasn't like all the other kids, and so I wasn't able to live in the home with my sister. I got sent to live in a place called Casa de Amparo, it means house of protection. Well, I knew it back then as as my home. And well, this place is a very special home. Casa Dampara, it's in northern San Diego County. They don't have the the big name, they they don't have the big fundraisers. They're not in New York City, they're not in San Francisco. They're kind of off the beaten map. This place is a unique place. This is the children that have nowhere else to go. I couldn't live with the other kids. My sister couldn't be there with me. To this day there's a nonprofit in San Diego Former Special Forces, Navy SEALs, Delta Force operators, Army Rangers, they come every single day to guard this facility, to keep people from taking these girls that live there. These girls have been taken, put into sex traffic by people that brought them either into this country or that took them on the street. They can't go pick up groceries. They can't go walk without having somebody watching and protecting them. In 1987, there was a kidnapping. My father, as I mentioned on one of the prior episodes... I uh, had been a member of a, a notorious gang. He took me out of the facility. He couldn't leave me behind. As he said, leaving your child was too much. Well, now they had to build walls. And now, right now, they're raising money to build even higher walls to keep the people that want to kidnap these kids for the wrong part, to kidnap them. And Michael Loeb has a home that all of you that have seen the TV show Billions on Showtime, it is one of the most impressive homes that I've ever witnessed and I've ever seen and that I've never been to but Michael Loeb himself has done something so special. There's a home, a website, that we're gonna be launching called Casa de Loeb. Casa de Ampara was my home, Casa de Loeb is Michael's. When Michael and I were together a couple weeks back in New York City, he was showing me this home and he said, I wanna help people. I was with the group, Sergeant Rudy Reyes and some other marine recons uh, at the Explorers Club and it was a fundraiser. And Michael didn't have a website, He wasn't bragging about his house. He was saying, I'd love for people. Maybe you can bring some of the people here. And an idea hatched that night that Michael and myself and Jen, who's on the line, that we were able to put together. What if we were able to take this home? And what if we were able to raise money for those children? Well, the month of May is Foster Care Awareness Month. Most people have no idea that even exists. There's over 430,000 children right now in the United States that do not have a home. They are in a foster home. They are being abused and neglected. They are being mistreated. They will have a lifetime of trauma. When Michael was approached by Showtime, he didn't keep the money. He donated it. This is his personal residence. This is a place where he has worked his ass off to get. People look at people successful and they go, the entitlement, well, they should give. Michael's a giver. Michael has given from the very moment he started to earn he gives back. Casa de Ampara reached out to me. I'm not on their board, but they're a home that I stayed in. And with Michael's help now, we're going to be making an announcement with Ms. Jen Bedell's talented voice. And we're going to tell you what we're going to be doing to help support an upcoming gala. That's going to be in November in San Diego. And we're going to be now raising money using the people in our circle, the influencers in our community, to help build those walls around Casa de Ampara to make sure that every single child there, and I believe this, and I know Michael does as well, and Jen, and our listeners, that every child deserves a safe and loving home, a home where they don't get kidnapped by bad people. They don't have the money. They've got to raise right now $1 million to build a bigger wall to keep bad people away from these poor, innocent children. They want to raise the age to allow young girls to stay there into their late 20s. Girls like my sister, my sister died. This August will be five years. She didn't have a home to go to. She was living on the street. She was an addict. She was broken. She had a lifetime of trauma that followed her. She died at the age of 33 years old and left three children behind. With the support that I'm asking for all of our listeners and that Michael and the other people that are involved in this next venture to raise money for these children of Casa de Ampara, these kids who are neglected, I ask you now, please tell your friends about what we're about to tell you next the website Casa de Loeb, House of Loeb, the house that Loeb built. You heard his story. He was not handed anything. What you think because you have a family member with some education or a position that that gets you ahead in life? No, it takes grit. It takes resilience. And the resilience is in your code. And it is calling you to give everything you have. Michael said it best. Dustin, all it takes is all you got. That I choose people based upon, are they willing to do anything? And anything doesn't mean hurting, lying, stealing, cheating. No, on the contrary. It's you know how to do good. You know the right thing, and that is you're spending my money right now. It's from my heart. Work harder than me. Give everything you have. Michael's become an expert on the companies that he's working with. Many times he knows more about the own businesses than the entrepreneurs do. So with that, Jen, I know it's a way to do a handoff. Please tell us how Casa de Loeb, how the Jen Bedell Foundation and life's tough. What we're going to be doing in November, and what this looks like.
5: Well, I'm going to just I'm going to say two things, and I'm going to hand it over to Michael because, um, after all, it is his home. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that was beautiful, by the way. But um, you said you said one thing that caught my attention. You said it's not spending, and it's not spending; it's giving. And I think Michael, I have that right, if you'll agree. Um, it there is no there is no spend when you are giving to uh, such a community and such an amazing group of people and like even the staff like think about the staff I know there's children and Aren't they' like, incredible god bless them and but the staff too like they they are just as amazing and you know hardworking and incredible but what we're gonna give to the gala is you know two nights, at Michael's house is a treasure. It's, you know, Google Michael
0: Loeb's billions house. For those of you out there, Google his house.
5: It's, it's cathartic. It's therapeutic. It is, um, a place to stay and just, you know, and we just want to give back to the kids. So if one, you know, lucky couple or whatever can, can actually like come out and do that. and, just
1: to stay at Michael's house to get back to the kids—that's
5: all we want. Well, that's Michael. I'm sorry if I'm not
1: doing it. No, no, no. It sounds like uh, this is going to be auctioned off. Do I have that it, right? It is. And last oh, year, guess, last Michael,
0: year the yeah. whole gala raised, and we're hoping to obviously crush those numbers. But last year they raised independent of what we're going to be helping them with mm-hmm. two hundred and sixty-eight thousand. So that was Amazing. their goal this year. That if we can just do two sixty-eight, mm-hmm. wow, that that gets us on our way.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, so.
5: And Michael, I want for
1: us to kind of be out there in November, that'd be pretty cool. Well, at the gala is what you're referring yes. to. Right. Yes. So I that think cool. um I think what this sounds like uh just to put a point on it uh, Jen is um that we're going to auction off a weekend. Correct. And um Yeah,
5: two nights, Michael.
1: Two nights. Uh, and, with uh,
5: Alice and with E. Todd, right. You know what I mean? Like we'll so with uh,
1: Alice being uh, the chef that we use often, so you get a chef. Etad is uh, the driver, so you get a driver.
5: A personal house driver, yeah. Now,
1: and of course the staff. Um, I will tell you mm-hmm. that the driver um, has a lot of free time because when you get to the house, um, you don't want to move from the house. Uh, And uh, you did mention Lucky Couple, but the fact of the matter is um, it's um, quite a large house with about 12 bedrooms. So (laughs) uh, this could be, um, uh, and we also have a house in town, so you could actually have quite a number of people, and this could be a getaway for wonderful. many couples wonderful uh you know this could be you know a high school college reunion type of thing this could be an anniversary um great uh sting by the way um he didn't do it but he was thinking about using the yeah. house as a, a 50th birthday present for his wife yeah. trudy um and so uh it's got it's on the beach in fact there's uh, water on both sides uh the bay is on one side and um uh, you've got the Atlantic Ocean on the other side. Uh, the um, sand is and the beach is really quite remarkable and beautiful. It's on nine acres, but it's next to a sixteen acre preserve in Southampton. And um, lovely pool, spa, indoor, outdoor spa. Um, the home theater, two home theaters, but
2: yeah,
1: uh, one is um, you know ridiculous. One is one has got um, a great big screen mm-hmm. like. You know,
5: you just it's the, the type of thing. Table. It's the type of thing that John
1: over here would like, like you know, wee wee <laughs> in his pants about. Yeah, that's, that's right. But um, it really, it's got, uh, it's got, it's got um, all the amenities. So for you know the highest bidder, this would be a great getaway. Um, so Michael, do you want to extend the offer to not just for people? Oh yeah, no, I think it could be getaway. more than that. How sure. about a getaway for yeah. two nights? Yeah, it's a getaway. It's for sure a getaway. So
5: we certainly have the room. Okay.
1: That's amazing. I love the we thing. Okay. When did that happen? <laughs> so, um but in any event the uh yeah, so uh, uh, That's amazing, it, It's Michael. got uh tennis court, basketball court, I'll throw in some tennis lessons for my favorite pro. Fantastic. And um, you know, uh there's um a lot to I do there. Planning everything. Yep. Apparently, it does have a Bentley. Try not to crash it. <laughs> you could drive a Bentley. So those yeah. of you have always wanted to drive a Bentley, drive Michael Loeb's Bentley. Which, we have uh, a Bentley. Yeah, convertible, convertible, don't. which is a lot of fun. Anyway, so there you go. But that, that um, is fantastic. It sounds like a wonderful, wonderful cause. It, it and, really is, you know, Michael, for you, Dustin, and uh, it couldn't be more personal. And it really is. That is, uh, you know, we talked about and entrepreneurship, and. Um, that's key, right, to being an entrepreneur, is that it is personal. And by personal is that you have dedicated yourself and your team to a success, to a cause, something that you really believe in. And some of our best entrepreneurs are exactly that. And we've got uh, many examples of that. The one that comes to mind is um, uh, Bobby Brannigan's company, Mercado. And Bobby, when he was in college, built his first company, um, and, uh, what it was is he saw a bunch of textbooks stacked up, uh, at the, uh, college bookstore and he said to the guy behind the counter, what are you going to do with that? And he said, well, we're going to rip the covers off and ship them back because that's mm. what they would do. They would destroy the old product. And he said, hell you are. And he got in touch with the publisher and said, I can, I can get those sold for you. And he built that into a company that he eventually sold for 75 million bucks <laughs> And this is uh, his current company, Ricado, is his second act. And um, Bobby uh, grew up as the son of a butcher in the Bronx. And from eight years old, he's pushing a broom. And um, for him, his new business is doing all of the logistics. From uh, you know e-commerce to deliveries to credit card processing to uh, ordering, um, because these little stores still work with little pieces of paper and stubby little pencils. And he does; he's built the entire back office because there's about thirty-eight thousand such wow. stores: butcher wow. shops, fish mm-hmm. stores, cheese shops, with Midnight Moon. Uh, organic (laughs) grocers, Um, but, um, you know, and they just don't have big boy logistics, and that is what his company is doing. And, you know, it is amazing when it's a passion project, and it's amazing when you are working with somebody who just grew up there. I mean, the stuff, it's in his DNA, you know. Sawdust, you know, bleeds (laughs) from his veins, but you can't teach that. Right. You can't teach that. And it's an authenticity and a sense of mission. And Justin, just hearing your story about you and your sister and living there, you know, I know for you that this couldn't be more authentic and more more gritty and more real. And um, I know uh, this one spot is uh, in good hands because it's in your hands and you're just going to get over the finish line. And uh, then, when you do, you can teach Donald Trump a thing or two about building building a wall. We're going to build right? a wall. <laughs> You're going to say, Here's Donald, do man. You know, you want you want to you want to you know want to copy some behavior. Here you go. Yeah. I got it. What are All your right? Look at mine. To build the wall? It starts right. with that. So, uh, but anyway, Michael, um, it is uh, boy, what a what a what a wonderful story. And um, there is something about human beings that when it's that real. Uh, they're just going to make it work. And you're one of those guys. You're just going to make it work. You are going to get this one over the finish line and or die trying. But you know what? I wouldn't bet on death. I'm going to bet like on that. you because I, you're just going to do it, man. Well, with
0: you in my corner, I can't
1: fail. Well, even if I wasn't in your corner, you couldn't fail. But... Um, if uh, I'm going to be in that corner, you're going to be with me because you can be my bodyguard, <laughs> That's and right. that would be fine. I got your okay. back. Good, Jen. Thank you so much for for dialing Thanks, in. Chad. Thank you so
0: much for everything, and and again for the listeners on lifestuff.com. The there will be a link to Casa de Loeb, uh, Casa de Loeb will have, and while we prepare for November being the big, uh, you'll also be able to submit your bids now. So we're going to run that number high. Uh, we also have some other actors that are will be doing acting lessons. Uh, actor chance kelly uh, you've seen him on billions this season uh, also he was on ray donovan uh, also have a actor bobby burke you'll know him from rescue me and also he's had a, a pretty amazing career an ongoing career he'll be also giving uh, acting lessons uh, in the area as well so check out the website it will be up in the coming weeks uh, so with that jen thank you again my dear thank you guys love
5: you Dustin. love
0: you too babe
1: see ya I'm a little jealous. That wasn't bad. Oh, I never got there. Really nice. Nobody said I'm babe to you, me. How cool is that? All <laughs> I got was matcha, right? You get three AM. How, how do we
0: even <laughs> end on such a note? So last question. Mm-hmm. Who is the toughest person you knew or you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, um, my dad is up there. Uh, my dad was um, uh, born in Chicago. Uh, his uh, grandfather, my great-grandfather, uh, came over from Germany in one of the German-Jewish immigrations, uh, and um, uh, Ben Loeb, uh, who lived to 93 um, and had, you know, I think about 16 wives. No, it was more like four <laughs> Uh, But only out of that, only one is, uh, they would say in the legal profession, stirpes, only one child, which was my grandfather. But uh, my great-grandfather came over here, uh, went to Chicago, and um, uh, as the story goes, uh, he was a young man. He was walking down the street, and all of a sudden, this horse and carriage is bolting down, and he chased it down. And... um, caught up with the carriage and the horse and stopped it and following that was an entourage including a big fat man who happened to be the mayor of chicago <laughs> who wrote uh, as the story goes in the back of his business card please give ben Loeb every courtesy and he was able to get a horse and a cart and he went into the scrap business and uh, created um, a huge company which my grandfather ran into the ground and my dad, who was also the only child, uh, was supposed to take over. So it was um, the Jewish version of, St- of Sanford and Son, if you remember that. <laughs> yeah. I did. So instead of Red Fox saying, Elizabeth! It was Monroe, Monroe Loeb Monroe Monroe <laughs> saying, Sadie! Anyway, so um, uh, he decided um, to um, uh, not do that. Um, buck all the family pressure of going into the business. Uh, Again, the only kid, right? Supposed to go in the business. So I was gonna die with my grandfather, which frankly was a good thing, and um, went to the University of Missouri. Didn't know if he was gonna uh, follow either journalism or math, he was good at both. Uh, Then um, decided that he really wanted to unravel a mystery, and the mystery was how could Nazi Germany happen? Right. So he was the product of German Jewish parents and of all the countries that assimilated Jewish people, they were most assimilated culturally and um, uh, otherwise. There were many, by the way, Jewish war heroes. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but Mm -hmm. there were World Mm -hmm. War One and, you know, these people were slaughtered like everybody else. And so uh, to solve that mystery, um, he uh, worked for United Press International, but um, took an assignment in Germany where he met my mom, who was German and Catholic, uh, and at the time a Pan Am stewardess. We called them that then. Love it. Uh, If you um, couldn't be a Hollywood starlet, uh, you worked for Pan Am. (laughs) And so um, they met there in Germany and they then took a year-long honeymoon. This is, by the way, one of the great scams of all time. It could have been called Marshall and Peggy's. Her real name was Ermengarde, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> Marshall and Peggy's beautiful honeymoon, uh, because they—he uh, was syndicated in 400 papers around the country. Wow! And he had a little brownie camera, and he'd take a picture, take a snap, and he would write about the pyramids. And there was little tiny Peggy in front of the <laughs> giant pyramid. And I said, "Dad, this is like such hokey crap." And he said, "You know, I got to tell you, back in the 50s, you know, they didn't know about the damn pyramids, at yeah. least not names Iowa." Right? Right, So um, the, they had the year-long honeymoon. If I was um, born in a timely fashion, it would have been Tokyo. Uh, but uh, as Jen, if she was still online, I could tell you I'm always late. So um, <laughs> we made it as far as M- St. Louis, Missouri, uh, where my dad got a job at the uh, St. Louis Globe Democrat, and then uh, a year later, Time Magazine, where we moved from St. Louis to New York. Um, but... Um, Anyhow, I it's was answering story, some huh? sort that's of question. Well, that's a good story.
0: That, uh, that now leads us towards the transition at the end. Any final words you have, Michael? Oh my God, Jesus, it sounds and, like Anything any else you want to find? This is going to be <laughs> the end of you, man. This is <laughs> that's that's the sad. last interview Michael Loeb will ever do. Um,
1: really? Keep it short, that, maybe 18 do I seconds. Sign, like an eight? like a contract? That's a threat. That is a threat. Right. Is you a can threat. never be on another like you know this what is got to be the bar. You know and and for everybody who's listening and not looking you should see this guy's guns. So you don't oh, yeah. want I, you don't want like to be threatened. By You're this, actually man. making me feel really good am, about myself. I am I'm feeling harassed right now. You way. should. I, I mean I'm threatening a, you with my eyes. You know what? I right.
0: actually rolled my eyes so many times during the show I actually got a headache. <laughs> right. So right. And it's my fault. I'm like, "Oh, there's another roll. I'm going to sue you for harassment.
1: You sue me for a headache." How much? 50
0: million? 100 million? What do you want to go with this? All right. All Maybe right.
1: an arm wrestle. All right, all right. So um, no, thank you very much. This is um, this is fantastic, and uh, yeah. thank you, Brian. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, you know right. what, what? The biggest takeaway about this conversation for me is that we really been have, we haven't been
4: talking much about money. We've talked about principles and values and work ethic. Mm-hmm. And not much about numbers. Mm-hmm. And it he's seems just a like human being, Brian. I mean, what do you now, Well, he's not a leprechaun. I mean, you foundation. think money's
0: gonna jump out of his <laughs> sleeve? Coins? If I ask well, him out of time, some coins will pop well, out. What I mean is that's yeah. that's
4: the foundation of our country, and yeah. that's young people should embrace. They're always thinking about the the dollar figures instead of thinking about those principles and work ethic. And you so know, that. and
1: I I think you're entirely right about that. I think that. Um, people do put that horse before that cart. And I think that you should think of, you know, the money as collateral to the success and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So build something, build it great. Mm -hmm. And you will be rewarded for it. And, um, you know, I think not only build it great but build good stuff. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, um, there's plenty of not so good stuff. Um, You know, I'm going to avoid anything, you know, in, in gambling. Because right? I just think it's a tax on the poor. Right? right. I mean, if you see the people lining up on the lotto, I mean, it's just exactly the people who yeah. shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, try to do something good. Um, Kamasha does not come. Kamasha. I'll finish. What's kombucha. the matter with you? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll no, drink it. Know, I wouldn't <laughs> wish that on anybody. I gotta, any, well,
3: Ma- Michael, we have something for you from you Navy. Do? Yep. So here you go
1: okay it's not my draft papers is it <laughs> god i, I hope not right yeah. you're too old for the draft look hat, right? at that it's a navy hat i'm actually going to use this we thought it'd be something you might i wear. was going to get fantastic. you a run
0: forrest run like right. it's your password right Thank run you. so forest you? if
1: ever, next time when you get a hat can you get me instead of trying to save on the material on the back? <laughs> yeah how did you guys get mash right what is it's that it's no mesh no, no that's the actually the very hip that's what all the guys are that's why i don't know about it because it's hip
3: the other kind that are form-fitting are kind of out of date these are the new ones if you
4: get pulled over
1: on the way out just make sure you have the. <laughs> you just got a point you know, at it maybe Maryland, say, I, you I, d- I
0: know a professor over there you <laughs> can let you go. you can All check
1: right. anyway thank you very much this has been a lot of fun and um john do you want to say a few words no you're not john paid to do that talk. No, no i'm going to say the talk. last okay. words.
0: so right. with that guys we're once again i'd like to thank the poi institute for being a life's tough sponsor the poi institute is a private luxurious holistic detox center located in gorgeous Cabo san lucas on Mexico's Baja California Peninsula. POI offers safe, medically focused Ibogaine detox treatments for individuals suffering from a variety of addictions, and they come in many kinds. Call the POI Institute at 833 POI CABO. That's 833 POI CABO. Or check out their website, POIibogaine.com. That's POI I B O G A I N E.com. And be sure to tell them life's tough, sent you it's been a terrific show. This is something that I didn't expect, but something that I have been looking forward to. It's been a delight to have my co-hosts from the Naval Academy, Dr. Robin Tom and Brian Weber. And our very special guest, Michael Loeb. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks again to Robin and our guest, Michael Loeb and Brian, for making this another outstanding episode of Life's Tough Podcast. And thanks to you, our amazing audience, for making the show one of the most relevant and fastings growing around the world. And a special thanks to my dear friend, Gerald Levin, Life's chief writer and my Sherpa who could not be with us in studio today. The stories we all hear are as varied as the people who tell them. Each time I hear someone's personal account, I do not frame it as something that was more horrible than my own story or something that was not as bad as what I went through. It's impossible to discount the impact of any one singular experience to the person who lived it that story can seem just as devastating as any other i ask you to use your story to give others hope it's quite liberating to move beyond your past don't keep your story to yourself and allow it to eat away at you instead consider how your experience or your weaknesses can benefit somebody else your story may be just what it takes to help someone in your circle or in our community to get through a moment in their life when they were about to give up when they were about to fail Please subscribe to our show. Visit lifestough.com, L-I-F-E-S-T-O-U-G-H.com. And be sure to join us every week, same time, same place, for a stimulating hour of heartfelt discussion. Remember, everyone has a story. Life's tough, but Marshall Loeb is tougher. Thanks for joining us.